Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the no-fluff, actionable marketing podcast for marketers, founders, and tech people who are just sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. In today's episode, you will learn how to secure a large-scale speaking gig, even if you've never spoken at a big event before. My guest today is the co-founder of Shine, a professional spe speaker accelerator for women, and the director of marketing at Swear, uh, at Sphere, excuse me, a platform democratizing coaching. She was an early employee at Unbounce, founded the Call to Action Conference, helping marketers become better at what they do. She's always a big deal because she was selected as one of the 50 women who you need to know in MarTech in 2018 and one of the top 100 amazing women marketers. So Stephanie Grieser, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Gosh, what an introduction. <laughs> yeah, and I fucked up the name of your company, but I'm not even going to edit it. That's, that's how raw we like it in everyone has marketers. So <laughs> why is speaking at events something people listening to this podcast right now should care about? Yeah, actually, that's a really great question to start this podcast off with. So the other day I saw a tweet. It was Val there. I don't even know if I, I think I may have screwed up her last name saying that, but she talked about how much time she's invested in her speaking money, time, and talking about being asked to speak for free and the true cost of speaking. And I kind of responded to that. And I said, it isn't free. It's a lot of work, a lot of time. And before you speak, you kind of have to know that going into it, especially if you're a speaker that is a little bit new to the speaking circuit. You have to put a lot more time into kind of honing your skills and your story. But it's also a marketing channel. And we don't really like to think of it as a marketing channel because as soon as we label something a marketing channel, then people think, oh my God, marketing, sales, like that's sleazy. And that's why you have this podcast to begin with, right? <laughs> um, but essentially speaking can be an excellent marketing channel. It can be like paid advertising or content marketing or email marketing. And so like any other marketing channel, if you want to do it right, you have to invest. So. That's why you should care about speaking. It might not be the right channel for everybody, but of course, you kind of need to assess whether, whether it'd be great for you. And for those people that are listening that are consultants or work for an agency, speaking can be a great way to get clients. You speaking on stage is a direct one-to-many channel of you sharing your expertise. And somebody in the audience listening can be like, oh, we really need somebody. You know, There's lots of generalists. I'm a generalist marketer at Sphere. And can I do everything very, very well? No. I can do a couple of things really well that I'm specialized. I'm T-shaped. And then there's obviously a ton of things. Like I'm probably not the most uh, or the best person to be working on technical SEO, like straight up, or even implementing our paid ad campaigns. So when I go to like a marketing conference and I see somebody speaking, that might trigger a thought of me working with them. And, and then you can talk to them afterwards. And so anyways, long story short, speaking can be an excellent source of referrals. And also if you're a contractor or a freelancer or uh, work for an agency, and also a great marketing channel if you're in-house. 
And I suppose it also brings, you know, respect to you, thought leadership as a brand, you can build your brand, get direct feedback from people because you present, you get feedback after that, a lot of other benefits. But I'm glad you mentioned that it is a marketing channel like anything else that you're doing as a marketer or someone who, who wants to get some sales stuff or get some clients. Um, that's something we talk about on the podcast a lot is the fact that it's not because we are talking about it right now on this podcast and you're listening to it that you should do it. I'm not Neil Patel trying to sell you SEO if it's not the right thing for you. So it might not be the right thing for you, right? Speaking. And there are a lot of factors that you should consider be before saying, actually, I'm going to try that out. So maybe we can touch briefly on what are the traits or attributes of people you've seen and you've dealt with at, at Shine and maybe in your, in your career that makes it a worthwhile marketing channel to try out? Yes. I'm so glad you asked that. Yeah. Speaking might not be for you or might not be the best channel for you. So in terms of traits or characteristics, I think that even taking a step back, you kind of need to have something to teach. And the first rule of speaking at conferences is that you're not pitching. And it's so key to not pitch. Yes, you want to kind of put yourself out there, but anything like it's very similar to content marketing. People can smell bullshit, they can smell a sales pitch. When you are in an audience at a conference and the first slide is how many companies you worked with or a big kind of logo of your company and and you go into three minutes of what that company does, that immediately turns people off. You are there to teach people, to give people valuable advice that even if they weren't to buy your product or you know hire you as a consultant, that they would walk away with value. So I say this to everyone, like it's not a sales pitch. You have to treat it like content marketing, essentially. Speaking is very similar to content marketing. You know, you write blog posts or you write pieces of content to give people value. And so, yeah, that's my number one rule is don't pitch on stage. And it is a very fast way for you to get a reputation of pitching. And as a conference organizers, I know that people that I had gotten to speak who were very salesy and pitchy in their talk, one, it came out right away in the attendee feedback. It was like clear as day. There's a, a bunch of attendees that would say that. It would come back in their speaker scores. And also, we would not ask them to come back again. So essentially, you're shooting yourself in the foot for any future speaking engagements and it to be an actual long-term channel for you. So rule number one, don't pitch and provide value. The second thing that you should do is get people to comment on your, your talk. Are they getting value? Um, feedback is the fastest path to excellence when it comes to speaking. It's why we created Shine in the first place. Because when you're creating a slide deck, a presentation in isolation, and then you go present it in front of a thousand people, 500 people, yeah, that might not hit the mark. So get feedback along the way. And um, oftentimes, when you're a subject matter expert, so this is another thing, you should be a little bit of a subject matter expert in what you're teaching people about. And I say teaching, not speaking, because you really need to get in the mindset of teaching the audience. But when you're a subject matter expert, 
sometimes the basic things you roll over. It's kind of like asking an expert skier how they ski. Sometimes they're like, well, I just do it. I don't know how I do it. So you need to break it down for people. And so getting feedback is a great way to understand like where you might just be skipping from point A to point D instead of explaining, no, you need to go A, B, C, D. So get feedback. Make sure that you're breaking it down for the audience in a way that they can learn and understand. And another thing I want to just bring up because people often say, Oh my gosh, I could never speak. I'm an introvert. Some of the introverts that I know are some of the best speakers. So it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. It's just about if you have something valuable to teach, if you can break it down in a way, and if you're willing to get feedback in that process. Yeah, I think those are some of the main things that you should consider when you're thinking about speaking. Let me summarize what you said before I forget. So you need to have something valuable to teach. You need to be able to break down things into clear aspect and bring clarity, bring down, like, you know, turn complex stuff into, into simple things. You should also enjoy teaching to others. Maybe it's in your team or whatever. You must have like some sort of a, you know, get a kick out of explaining something to someone else in simple terms, get a kick out of teaching people. And as you said, introvert versus extrovert is, is really not an issue. Um, but you should feel also somewhat comfortable speaking in front of an audience, even if it's a small one. If, if it's your biggest fear, that might be a challenge for you, but then there might be other marketing channels to focus on that might be more valuable, right? So let's move yeah. on to the practical stuff now. So we've, we, I think we've touched on the, on the why it's important, on the who should do it, and, the, uh, and, and all of that. Now let's go about like how to actually secure a large-scale speaking gig step-by-step uh, step and how to do it. And it's great because at the Shine Bootcamp that you're running, you pretty much have, pretty much have a, seems to be a very, very strong methodology, right? And I'll be especially curious about how to do it when you are not a white male in their 30s who have been super uh, lucky in life and who, who can just, you know, have a, a bit more ease to get those speaking ease than others. So let's, let's talk in particular about people who are not in this category, who can get value out of it, even if they don't have a machine network and all of that, shall we? Yeah, of course. So I would say oftentimes just to that one point, um, white men will raise their hand though. And will, you know, even if they aren't you know, maybe they're 60% ready, they'll raise their hand and say, yep, sign me up, I'll speak. Um, versus somebody else, like, you know, some other women who might not A, raise their hands or B, they feel like they have to be like 100% ready to raise their hands. So I would say, raise your hand, even if you're kind of, you know, you have something to teach, you know, you have something to learn, but even just raising your hand to speak, once you have that speaking gig secured, or if you kind of like pitch and you get that, even if it's small, even if it's like 100 or 200 people, raise your hand because you'll do the work because there's a timeline and a deadline. So it's like, I know when I... I would never classify myself as a speaker. I, I speak because I have something to teach. But right now, I'm, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm on the speaking circuit because I, you know, I have a lot of kind of work to do, but I don't necessarily have a message or a story or something to teach. If you have something to teach, that's when you 
you can really start. So I remember when I got invited to like the 10th coffee meeting where somebody's like, Steph, I've heard that you're, you know, you built CTA Conf and I really want to know about the marketing behind it. Can you meet me for coffee? And I was like, wow, this is like the 10th coffee. I think that I have something to teach because I'd go to these coffees and then afterwards I would get presents or I'd get emails and be like, Oh my God, thank you so much. You were so like, everything you told me was so valuable. So I was like, okay, clearly at this stage, I have something to share. So I kind of, that was kind of what I wanted to get into in the last question. But the one to answer your question right now, when it comes to how do you kind of secure large scale speaking gigs, one, I would say start small, like even go to a meetup, start on a panel, especially if it terrifies you, um, do a couple of those. And then, you know, even like a smaller conference of two, three, 400 people, like start start pitching organizers there. I would say... So I'm just going to back up and say like I was a conference organizer. So I want... And I put lots of like up and coming speakers on stage that hadn't spoken before. And people that had like pitched me to speak. So one, play the long game. You might have a conference in mind that you want to speak at. You might not speak there the first year. Uh, But attend that conference put some skin in the game, go there, like look at the type of speakers, the type of content, sit and be an attendee. Talk to other attendees about like which speakers did really well and which ones didn't and get a sense and a feel for that conference and go meet the conference organizer in real life. They're probably like running around with their head cut off, but also, you know, say the last day, if there's an after party or like there's a, there's a networking event that they happen to be there, go introduce yourself, you know, tweet about the conference. So they kind of know that you're being active. And then after that, like email them like, Hey, Uh, you know, I've noticed that this is the type of content that resonated with your audience. I talked to a lot of attendees. I'm thinking that I, I could be a really great speaker the next year. Here's something I think your audience would find valuable. So it's not so much, man, as a conference organizer, and you can ask many others, there are so many blank template pitches. And it's usually from a PR person on behalf of a CEO. Hello, name. Could we speak at your conference? Here's this person's bio. Like, copy-pasted. No effort put in whatsoever. I know for me, I was like, delete, 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 delete. When I have a pitch that comes through that was like, Hey, I was an attendee at your conference. Here's a couple of things that I've noticed. Like, here's what your audience loved. Here's the session that I loved. It's so much more authentic. And you put some skin in the game. So I would say, A, play the long game. Two, go to some of the conferences you want to speak at. I know that you're probably like, whoa, this is a lot of time and effort. But it's like, yeah, like any marketing channel, it's going to be a lot of time and effort. But then once you secure that big speaking gig, maybe it's like the dream conference or a conference that you're like, yeah, this is what I've been working toward. Work your ass off to make sure that your talk is good (laughs) and that you don't so so a lot of interesting stuff let me break it down it sounds like the first thing you're saying is to actually first identify something worth talking about right and as you said 
if you notice that a lot of your team members ask you the same thing over and over again, or that you receive emails from people asking you the same thing over and over again, and if you know if it's valuable, it's worth doing it and extracting that as a topic, right? So you need to get a sense whether what you want to talk about is valuable or not. And it seems like before identifying what conferences to attend and talk to organizers, it sounds like you probably need first to have a good idea of what you want to talk about in the first place, yeah? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so on that front, on the story front, do you have any other recommendations or anything like that for, for people to pick a topic that is, I suppose, specific, actionable, tailored to a specific audience? What are your tips here? Well, if you have an idea that you want to speak, uh, like, you know, maybe in a year, or like maybe even you, you feel like you're gaining expertise, you know, like I have something to teach, start writing things down, like examples, screenshotting examples in your work or writing down a process or kind of like you're writing a blog post. Now you don't have to publish it, but I know that I have a medium draft folder and I also have uh, like a folder on my Google Drive where I write down kind of my process, the lessons learned because writing clears your mind and makes you write things down in a way where you would have to teach somebody else. Like there's oftentimes so many things going on in our head. And once we sit down and we write, it becomes clear. It's like, wait, what makes sense? What's the flow? Even if it's like, honestly, even if it's pretty messy, like even if you're never going to publish it, I know I have a folder full of stuff where it's like, oh yeah, step one, step two, step three, or here are some of the lessons I learned from doing this big marketing campaign. Or right now at the company I work for, Sphere, we, you know, we just went through beta and I wrote an entire like lessons learned from our beta about building a marketplace and marketing a marketplace because it's so hard to market a marketplace. You have two audiences. And I learned so much, but I started writing down what I've learned so that maybe in two years, I mean, I'm still learning that maybe in two years, I have a folder of things that I'm like, holy, I have this folder of things that I can teach. And I have screenshots of like specific, like maybe it's even customer feedback that you can all of a sudden drag into your presentation. Yeah. So you kind of have all these little things in one folder. I actually have a really good analogy. The other day I went to a conference and I uh, listened to a lady speak who wrote a cookbook. Actually how she started her cookbook is she like got all these different recipes over like five years. And she just put them in a folder, put them in a folder, put them in a folder. Then she basically had her cookbook over five years. She just had them in a folder and then she was ready to kind of publish them. So you collect a lot of stuff, you get mm -hmm. a lot of notes, you, you know, keep records of everything you do. And then it prevents you from, you know, you raise your hands, you go and, and pitch at a conference and then you have nothing to write about or to talk about. You don't know where to start, right? Yeah, exactly. And even just like journaling. Yeah. Like there was one, one person at our boot camp last year, like, Oh, I'm not sure what I should write about, but I have a couple of ideas. And I told her to write an outline. So essentially she had a journal and I said, okay, you have these two ideas. 
and like, here are the things that you can teach. Why don't you write an outline for each of them and try and pick examples for each point you want to make and see which one resonates with you more. So yeah, I would do that. Another thing I would say for this, this topic of outline and, and how to write proper outline um, is to keep things super specific and actionable, right? And that's actually the lesson I've learned through this podcast is like, it's, it's easy for me and you to talk about so many different topics on marketing. You could talk about marketplace. We could talk about how to speak, how to pitch. We could talk about so many things, but we picked one core topic, which is how to secure a large-scale speaking gig. And we're yeah. just going to go and dive into that. So people like specificity. And it's easier to be specific when you pick a very narrow audience as well. Anyway, those things we talked about in the podcast many times over, and they still apply to speaking. So let's say you have a, an outline or two core ideas that are super specific that you know people find useful because you talked to them before, you talked to your colleagues, you talked to friends, you talked to people who wanted your advice, and you know it's valuable. So that's step one. We have a story to tell, right? Now, what is... You, I think you touched on it before. But what is step two when it comes to, okay, you have an outline, you start to, you said attend conferences or events. So it sounds like you need to pick a few events you like to speak to and just attend them or like at least get in touch with organizers and get to know what is going on in those events. So how do you select actually the conferences or events you should go after? And what should you pick if you've never spoken at a big conference before? How should you pick the conferences you should go speak at? I mean, really, it's about if if we're talking about marketing as a, or speaking as a marketing channel, you should pick some of the conferences that your audience loves. So I know that when I was building out the event uh, program at Unbounce and even even at Sphere, what I'm doing now is just asking people, where do you go to learn? So where, what blogs do you read? What people do you follow? What conferences do you go to to learn? You know, if you ask your audience or your customers, even asking your customers, I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest marketing mistakes there is, is not asking your customers uh, what they do and why they do it and how they do it. And your message completely mi- hit, like misses the mark, essentially, because you're not marketing in the right place or you don't understand them. So talk to your best customers, ask them. What conferences do you go to? And then that's a really good indication. Then I would say, uh, after you kind of have like a short list of conferences, go like research them. Go into like the depths of researching them. I like calling it like the depths of the, my boyfriend. He's like, oh, you you researched, but you really went hard on internet creeping because um, you can really find out a lot. It's like uh, just like researching not only Google, but Twitter and like Instagram and seeing who's, you know, in charge of that conference and the history and when it started and really actually getting a very solid understanding of, of even the history of that conference. Cause maybe the conference started out targeting this person, but they switched and I just knowing like knowledge is power, just know a lot. Um, and then know about, you know, research the speakers. Do they have speaker videos? Watch them. Sometimes you don't even have to go to the conference if they have really great speaker videos and you can watch all the videos and you can understand the content that's there and who they're trying to target and, and stuff like that. So I would say, yeah, know, know your customer, pick a conference and then go deep and research. Uh, and then you can kind of start from there. I'd say the best thing, I mean, 
being a speaker, like being a noob speaker and then trying to get a large scale speaking gig or a paid speaking gig even is tough when you uh, haven't really been a speaker before, right? It's like a catch-22. You can't really become a speaker because you aren't one, but then how do you become one if nobody's giving you a shot? So people love seeing videos. So even if you haven't spoken before, like maybe it's, you know, going on a couple of podcasts, going on some webinars, like showing that you have clout, showing that you can, you know, have something to say, that you can, you know, teach something, that you can be articulate in the way that you that you present your message, your story. So start doing that to give you a little bit of credibility. So even if you didn't have a speaker video, maybe you have a couple links to a podcast or a webinar so people can understand. And even then, I mean, with Sean, one of the biggest things that we... You know, it costs a lot of money for us to like produce videos. But having a video of you speaking, even if it's a small meetup, um, is a game changer because conference organizers... You know, maybe they have a couple slots for some really big, like big time speakers that are professionals that have been doing this for 10 years and maybe even they're paid speakers, but maybe they have a couple slots that are, you know, saved for some like up and comers. I know I always did uh, because you don't want to see this as a conference organizer, you don't want to see the same old people speaking again and again, which typically happens. Like, oh, you see a conference list or you see a conference lineup and you're like, wow, I've, you know, these are typically the people that speak. But I would say being able to show that conference organizer that you have a video, like they can see your video of you speaking to understand what you're speaking, you know, what you what you're all about is a great asset to have. And I know people complain because they'll go speak at a conference and there is no video, like the conference organizer doesn't give them a video. And it's like, yeah, videos are really, really tough. I know at Call to Action Conference, we videoed everybody and everybody got a high res, you know, video of them speaking on stage. But, um, you know, that's, that's an exception. Lots of conferences don't do that. So have your friend be in the front and video you. Like, I don't know. It's as simple as that. So. Right. So let me break down what, what you said before, which, which is great. The first way to identify the conferences you need to speak to or the events you need to speak to is to ask your customers which is pretty obvious, but many, many people don't do that. What are the conferences people attend? What are the conferences that the people you want to attract attend? And you just ask them. And then you make a list and then you prioritize, right? And, and then you talked about like doing some proper internet creeping research uh, to understand, you know, just like you would understand your audience, you understand the conference history, you understand who speak there, who tend to speak there, what is the vibe there, what is the vision, what are the values, is it for you or is it not for you? And then you try to look and watch some, some speaker videos. Um, if you don't have, if they don't provide speaker videos, you're probably going to need to attend, right? Or at least ask other people who attended, what is it like? Or maybe get in touch with the speaker and say, what do you speak about? So once you have that, then we started to talk more about the, the next step, right? Which is now you've never spoken at a big conference before. And as you said, it's a catch-22 because you've never spoken to one. You, can, you can't speak, speak to one. And therefore, like, how are you supposed to get that? And what you're mentioning here is kind of the foot in the door principle or at least showing you know, small commitments. So you get invited to a few podcast episodes. You do a few webinars. Uh, could you also do, and I'm, it's a genuine question here, could you also do, I don't know, video yourself speaking through something like, I don't know, YouTube video where you go through and explain concepts. 
hundred percent. Any kind of channel, like a YouTube channel. I, I, I picked podcasts and webinars, but if you wanted to like create a simple YouTube channel explaining something, yes, even writing. So if you're writing blog posts about, you know, your area of subject matter expertise, that also shows a lot. I remember Joanna Weeb, like, you know, Joanna Weeb, like mm-hmm. she's original um, conversion copy, uh, copywriter. She writes a ton. She gives so much value to her audience. She had never spoken before, like before, like on a large kind of stage before I asked her and she would, but the thing is we knew she would be good because she teaches, like she teaches YouTube video editorials, like webinars. She writes a lot. Like you just knew that she would, you know, she loves teaching. That's what she does with copy hackers. You just knew she would be good on stage. And she got the number one rating, like of everybody. So Mm. anything you can do to show your subject matter expertise and that you have a story and something awesome to share um, will get you a foot in the door. So don't be afraid to to share stuff generously, right? As you said, and it's going to take years sometimes, or not sometimes, it is going to take years to to provide value to your audience, to be known for someone who who knows their stuff in this specific area. Speaking on podcasts, webinar, YouTube video, writing blog posts. So it sounds like it's not really evidence of your ability to speak. It's more like the, your ability to think properly, to explain complex things in simple terms, uh, structured stuff, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it sounds pretty good for people who've never spoken before to actually do it. A hundred percent, yes. It's so funny. I was asked this the other day. They're like, oh, what is your, what is your best coping me- mechanism to get over the nerves? I was like, you never you're never not nervous. You're just prepared. Um, but the nerves don't go away. Even professional speakers, Brene Brown, even when I talked to Ollie Gardner from Unbounce, he still gets nervous. It's not about that. It's about being prepared. And yeah, and about having something interesting and unique to share and, and giving value back to the audience. It's really not that unapproachable. People think it is. I mean, yes, you have to put a lot of time uh, and effort into it, um, but it's not—it's not impossible whatsoever. Yeah, you can do it, and especially if you're not used to like raising your hands, as you said at the start. If you're not used to take opportunities this way or show uh, show up in front of people and 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 teach. If you feel like it's the right thing for you to do, do it, right? If you're listening to this episode right now and not too sure about whether you need to do it or not, then you should do it. Um, especially, again, if you're like from a minority and you're not used to see people like you on stage, just fucking do it. So now we are at a stage where we've done things. We've taught people. We've shown. We have proof that we've taught people uh, via webinar, podcast episode, YouTube videos, anything else that shows that you can teach and you spread value. Now it sounds like it's time to pitch, right? It sounds like you kind of need to get in touch with people. So you started to talk on that and you have a very unique perspective since you were at the other end of receiving the pitches. And you said already a few things which are already do not send a blanket fucking email like everyone else does and you will already stand out. So what other things would you say people to do or not to do when it comes to pitching at events? For events, um, sometimes people have like conferences have open pitch slots. 
though have spot for inbound, they have an open call out for speakers. Make sure that you know the deadlines, write it in your calendar. They're asking people to pitch. Like, so that's that's some of the easiest ones. They they have like a form, you write out what your topic is gonna be. But basically, when it comes to that, make sure that you have a really good outline, you have a really good topic title, you have the takeaways the audience will learn. Like spend a lot of time on your um your basically, I guess what it's called is a speaker abstract or your top t- topic title and description. Uh, just make sure it's solid, that there's no typos. Uh, yeah, when you pitch, you're writing. So you need good writing skills and you need to communicate what you're going to... to uh, what value you're going to provide to their audience. Also, um, yeah, for inbound, look at some of the top... like the the sessions that performed well on YouTube. I think a lot of their sessions get put on YouTube or even what's top of mind for HubSpot, like for that conference. Sorry, I'm guessing everybody listening to this knows who HubSpot is since they're marketers. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's oftentimes open callouts for conferences. So go pitch those. If they don't have open callouts, find out that process. There's some conferences that really are selective and they basically handpick their speaker lineup. And that's when a really nicely tailored email will go a long way, where you've researched a lot, where you include a video, where you include some links, and you you know the conference organizer's name. And maybe you even have met them before, or you can get an introduction through someone else. Yeah. So I would say those are a couple of the things. I would say also just because... There's oftentimes when speakers like pull out of conferences last minute and they need somebody like ASAP. Like I remember pitching to one audience where they had a like a conference where their speaker lineup was already set. And I said, Hey, know your speaker lineup is already set, but you know, I know that, you know, sometimes speakers might like pull out. If there is, like, here's what I'm all about would love to be considered for the... But really would love to be considered for the next one kind of thing and start that relationship early. Yeah. I mean, those are a couple of couple of things. So yeah, they have open... Two, two things. If they have open... Like if they have an open call out for speakers, apply, pitch, work on your speaker abstract. If they don't, do what I just said, like research the conference and, and really send a tailored email and work on that email. Make sure, again, it doesn't have any typos, that it's like, well, it's coming from a human and it isn't really like robotic sounding. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to... I know it's a podcast. You're only listening to this audio right now, but Steph just did the, the robot dance to, to oh. describe the robot sounding. Um And can you tell me more about, and maybe hopefully you remember, what applications that you've received made you feel like, wow, this is amazing. This, this is, this is, this is great. Leanna Patch. And she got us, and you know what? She pitched me because she had researched the conference. Uh, She got an introduction through somebody actually at that point in time, I wasn't really in the day-to-day of running Call to Action Conference. There was two people on the events team, uh, Dustin and Rachel, and she had found Dustin. And Dustin, like, you know, introduced Leanna to myself. And then she kind of just talked about the conference itself uh, and what value she could bring. 
And she was like, oh, you know, I'd love to be considered for maybe even not this year because I see there's some speakers already, you know, you might have your lineup already set, but the next year, turns out we had somebody drop out or we had a shuffle in our agenda and we got her in. And then she showed up and she did really well. Yeah, she knew our audience and she just had a really tailored pitch. And I think um, oftentimes, like, I think that she kind of zoomed in on our conference uh, then because she knew she kind of secured that, that will also be a gateway to other conferences. So also take a look at that. So if there's like, there's one conference that's or two or three that are like, Ooh, this is going to be a really good conference for me to go at because it will be good on my speaker resume and then I'll get a speaker video and and yes you might not get paid or you might have to pay some conferences you have to pay your way there um, take that speaking slot and then use it as a gateway for other conferences I remember when Ollie Gardner first started speaking we had to get ourselves to hero conference so he it was his first speaking gig it was hero conference it was in a room of 200 people not even 150 um, we paid our way there, but then he did so well that he got recognized and then it was a gateway for other conferences. So think about those gate, just kind of like <laughs> gateway drugs, <laughs> gateway conferences <laughs> that will end up le- like one conference will end up leading to you being uh, accepted to speak at other conferences and think about it that way. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I think it's you need to kind of put a, a strategy together in terms of how, from how hard to how easy it is to get into this conference. Can you pay? Can you not pay? Do you know someone there? Uh, do you not? Is it is it the direct fit with your audience and who you want to attract? And prioritize this way and start small. And yes, you you, you might be uh, you might want to be the next round Fishkin or Oli Gardner, but it's going to take time. And as you just mentioned, it just always starts with small events, could be meetups, and then just move on from there. Um, so I just want to summarize briefly what we said so far, because we said a lot of stuff. I mean, you in particular. Um, so you need to come up with a story, something that you can teach people. Um, you need to um, ask your people what conferences they can hang out uh, on. You need to research the fuck out of the conferences, right? You need to understand the topics. You need to understand the spirit of it, the culture. Uh, you need to attend it if you can. And then you start, you need to show that you can teach and then you need to show value to your audience, right? You need to, uh, to, to, to do podcast episodes, webinars and YouTube videos and meetups and whatever. Um, and then you can start pitching and you need to pitch very much like we're teaching in this podcast how to do marketing, which is a non, in a non-speasy way, treat people like they're humans, especially conference organizers. And just ask for intros, Take it easy, take it slow, uh, maybe pay for the first one or two and do a fantastic job at it. Um, that's probably something we can touch on in the next few minutes. Because in Shine Bootcamp, Bootcamp, this is one of the things you teach people, right? You teach people how to have stage presence, uh, how to create a good presentation. So what are your advices there when it comes to like nailing a presentation. And you mentioned Joanna Wee, for example, who got the highest rating in, in the call to action conference. So what are the things you see over and over that are like a good, good components of a, of a great presentation? Good components of a great presentation, not 
overwhelming the audience with too much information, making, I mean, we talked about this before, making it actionable, like giving away, giving away resources. Like I've seen a number of speakers do this where it's like, oh, here's my resource. Like go to this webpage and you'll get a downloadable PDF and you can use it for your own or even just like, uh, here's really breaking out how they've done it. Like step one, step two, step three, step four. Yeah. I mean, it is some of the things we've already talked about, uh, in terms of, of a great presentation. What I would say is that again, and I said this, like working in isolation will prop like I'm, 90% sure working in isolation, especially if it's like your first couple like attempts at like a a speaking engagement will not bode well. Like the more people you show it to or the more feedback you get, even from somebody that's like not in your industry, like even your partner or your friend getting feedback and is, is so critical to you kind of nailing it. So I would, you know, I would definitely emphasize like that uh, because it will make your, your talk so much stronger. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you're doing, you've done the job of making sure the presentation is great from the very start when you have a good outline, something strong, uh, specific, actionable with a good structure. And as you said, feedback, right? It's super important. So show it in front of like, show it to a few people, uh, present it in front of them, just rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Um, and you should be fine, right? Yeah. And get people that will give you like detailed feedback as well. Like, oh, I really didn't get this part, but how can you, how would you restructure it and tell it to me a different way? Or even, even with like, like slide deck presentation and design is a whole other thing. Uh, and there's great speakers without really, you know, great slide um, designs or decks. Uh, and there's also like the category of motivational speakers where all they do is like basically riff and kind of uh, motivate you. But I mean, we're really talking about, uh, I guess we're, we're really kind of narrowing it on, on conferences that aren't really like the motivational high level. We're really talking about like actionable specific uh, types of type types of content for those types of conferences. Um, again, I mean, there is a whole other category of like motivational speakers, uh, that don't necessarily do all of this, but I would say, uh, yeah, slide design and slide deck kind of stuff is really important too, because even like you knowing what's coming next or kind of flows into how you're talking about it. And another tip is like, don't go into your slide design software before you kind of have your outline of what you're going to say, because then you'll just box yourself in. And all of a sudden you're designing the slides and not designing the content or what you're, you're saying. So, I mean, uh, it is important. All these little things kind of add up to your presentation. So even something as simple as like breaking out your slide into three different three different slides. Like maybe it was one slide with five points and there was five bullet points. And sometimes that can trip you up because you're staying on one slide and then you're kind of like, wait, did I say the first one or the second one? There's all these things that that kind of come into play and 
And there's all these little tips. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that I can say on this podcast is just getting really great feedback along the way. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm, I'm going to add to what you said about the structure. And like, I used to, I read this book a few years ago at this stage, and I'm not going to remember its title, but about doing great presentation. Ah, oh, yeah, I'm not going to remember the name. I'll put it in the show notes for sure, though. And they were really making the point of do not, do not use your computer when you make slides until the last stage, which is just use paper and like storyboarding and just fucking write it down, structure, structure, structure. And since then I've used that and it just changed everything because you forget about your computer, you forget about PowerPoint or Google Slide, you don't, you stop checking your image, you just focus on the story. And that just makes a massive difference in the flow. Um, an obvious thing, but I need to mention it, do not put slides with bullet points and read them out loud like you're just reading a fucking slides. I can't deal with this. No one can. So do not. Much better to just have an image that is a cue towards what you want to say rather than just the fucking text. Because what happens is people read the text faster than you're going to say it and then they're already bored. Um, but as you said, we can't really touch on that many things. I'll definitely find the name of this book and put it in the show notes. Um, because it's super important as well. But I think we've done our job. I think we've teach people today to, to, to secure large-scale speaking gig. Uh, it's going to take time, but folks should be able to do it, right? Totally, 100%. So a few questions before I let you go. And thanks so much for going through this step-by-step. -step. I know it's difficult, but that's what it takes to be specific and actionable. Um, <laughs> Love it. What's been the biggest marketing fuck-up in your career so far? Oh, wow. I mean, okay, here's one. So I think it's when you, and this is like one of the things that I tell people is slow down. Um, so it's not as so much as like, oh, sleazy, like shady, sleazy, aggressive marketing tactics like I've made. Like I haven't consciously made, made those type of mistakes. It's just marketing is tough. And there's so much riding on your performance. It's so easy to cut cor corners. It's so easy to act impulsively and ultimately so easy to make mistakes. So my best advice is to slow down. So because my, my biggest fuck up is because I, I work too fast. And then I, there's mistakes in my work. So double check your work. Get some, and this kind of goes with the theme of, of getting people to give you feedback. But double check your work. Get somebody else to double check it. Um, you know, I tweeted this the other day. Like copywriting is a team sport. It doesn't matter if you're the best copywriter ever. It's, it's really great to just get somebody else's eyes on it. Check your automations. Double check your campaigns before you press send, before you launch. Like the devil is in the details. So for me, my biggest mistake was a website that I had put together. I like failed to put the metadata. Like we had redesigned the website. Great. That's awesome. And I had failed to put some important metadata descriptions in it. And I got called out for it hard uh, in front of a lot of people. I was super embarrassed. But it was because I simply like didn't double check my work. Uh, get and, and didn't get somebody else to double check my work. Um, I know that's really, really tough for people that are uh, consultants or freelancers. All I have to say is slow down. If you are writing an email, if you're doing automations, if you're doing a website redesign, like put it away and then 
like come back to it a day later. I would say carve out time for QA, just like a good developer does. They like carve out like two days before a product launch, even more for really great QA testing. Marketers need to do the same thing. And so make sure you slow down, make sure you QA your work, make sure that if you're in a team or you know, even if you're you're like the only marketer. So right now I work for a startup. I'm the only marketer on the team. I get my founder to check the emails. I don't care if it's an important email going to a big list. I get her to check over it or I get her to check over website copy because it's important and I'm like I'm alone. So I oftentimes can make mistakes in isolation. So my biggest advice is slow down, QA, get somebody to check your work. Yeah, it definitely comes from the heart. Thanks for this <laughs> advice. Uh, what are the top three resources you recommend our listeners today? Top three resources. So, you know, I put together some resources because I saw this question uh, and I was like, oh, interesting. Uh, but there's resources uh, now that I thought of throughout this episode that ha- that are more to do with speaking. So should I... Well, you know what? I'll answer my own question. I will... I'm going to say a couple of resources when it comes to speaking. So one of them is Nancy Duarte's book. Actually, she has two books. Nancy Duarte, she's like the queen of presentations. uh, And she has one called Resonate. And she has another one, which I didn't read, but apparently it's really good as well. But I would say, check out Nancy Duarte. She is awesome at breaking down uh, speaking into frameworks so you can contextualize things. So even when it comes to like your story and the flow of your story and how that works, like it really puts speaking into frameworks, which is often tough to do. So I would definitely recommend that. When it comes to marketing, I mean, it's really funny. I don't follow company blogs anymore. There's maybe like a few, but I like can't I can't even can't even recall. Like I, I really don't. I follow smart marketers that tweet interesting articles and write interesting stuff. So I would say, you know, follow them on Twitter, Instagram. Instagram is becoming more of a source of um, it used to be personal for me. Now it's much more professional and I follow people and what they're up to. But I would say, I think there's a reason why influencer marketing is becoming more and more of a thing. And I hate saying influencer marketing, but it's because people trust brands less and real humans more. And I even fall in that to, into that category. So I follow a bunch of awesome, smart business people and marketers. I mean, I could list off a couple right now, but there's even more in the depth. So I would say, start following people that you um, kind of see doing interesting things that are saying interesting things and just start follow following them and what they have to say. If they start sharing things that aren't really up your alley and you're not learning, unfollow them. Uh, but yeah, I would say people. And then I'd be like remiss if I didn't say, uh, you know, conferences can be a great source of um, resources. It gets you away from the office. It allows you to pause and get out of your like daily grind um, and just listen and learn. So a couple of conferences for marketers, obviously a call to action conference, Conversion XL Live is really great. Search Love, MozCon, because they are the conferences that really focus on speakers, like great speakers with something to teach versus a giant like sales pitch. But yeah, so those are a couple of resources that I would recommend. 
Right now, I'm also reading... I mean, it's interesting. This podcast is really like all about marketing. But I think business books are so, so good as well. So I'm reading Messy in the Middle by Behanced. Um, because I think you can get a lot of value out of people um, that are building a business, like a founder or even just product. Like There's a whole chapter in Messy in the Middle that is about how to kind of... Uh, get a product out there and, and it's, you know, it's following the agile methodology, but you can take all that and like implement it into your marketing campaigns. So it doesn't have to be marketing specific, but those are some of the things that I would recommend. Thanks so much for all of that. A lot of resources there. And I'm glad you mentioned the, the speaking books because I completely forgot the name, but that wasn't it. And I need, I still need to find this fucking book. I, I was thinking about <laughs> Early on. Anyway, thanks so much once again for uh, for your time, for going through this methodology, for sharing all of the res- those resources. Uh, where can listeners connect with you and learn more from you? The best thing is on Twitter or Instagram. My handle is the same. Uh, S M Greaser is my last name. So G Greaser. Yeah, go ahead. G R I E S E R. So at S M Greaser, you can. Uh, go to shinebootcamp.com if you want to know more about Shine and the programs we have for um, women and other uh, underrepresented minorities when it comes to speaking. And uh, you can also go to my website, stephaniegreaser.com. Stephanie with an F and then Greaser, how I just spelled it. So, yeah. Fabulous. Thanks so much. You're welcome. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. And this is the moment where I tell you to subscribe to our email list. So before you leave and go to another podcast or listen to another episode, I don't treat email list uh, the way people usually treat their email list. I really treat that as a, as a one-to-one conversation. So I'm going to send you very short and personal emails every two weeks, I would say. We, I'll inform you of guests in advance. I'll share with you my numbers and how many listens we get and I'll also ask you for your feedback in terms of the questions we can ask future guests and perhaps I can also uh, have you on the show uh, someday so don't be afraid to subscribe I'm not going to spam you and you can always unsubscribe for sure if you wish the second thing we need from you is your harsh and honest feedback we know that this show is not perfect yet and we always Uh, can improve so you can send us your email at feedback at everyonehatesmarketers.com good or bad please feel free to send me an email and the last thing i like uh, from you is that if you did like the episode please share it to your friends your colleagues or whoever might like it and also please review it on itunes or another service that you might use to listen to your podcast because if you leave us a five-star review it means that more people would be likely to listen and we can spread the word quicker So thank you so much once again and au revoir. And that's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much 
for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said, your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.